Welcome to The Straight Stitch, a podcast about sewing and other fiber arts. This is episode nine and my name is Janet Zabo. I will be your guide as we explore all things sewing. It's the last week of October here in Western Montana and we got our first snowfall last week. We also got some very cold temperatures. It was down in the teens overnight. Uh, we only got about two inches of snow, but it was enough to remind people that they need to slow down and four wheel drive doesn't mean that you can drive as fast as you want. Sometimes four wheel drive ends up being four wheel stop or four wheel I'm in a ditch. So that was a good reminder for everyone out on the roads. And it's warming up back into the 40s this week with rain. I can't remember exactly where I left off in the clothes making queue. I was working on the Linda pants from Style Arc and I made up a muslin of those. And as expected, the crotch um, length was a little bit too short. I'm long in my torso and especially between my waist and my crotch. And I got out a pair of my work pants that fit me really well and compared them to my first muslin of the Linda, the Style Arc Linda pants and discovered that I needed to add an inch and a half to the rise in the back and an inch and a half or an inch to the front rise. So I did that and made a second muslin. And when I do muslins of pants, I typically make bike shorts so that I'm not wasting a whole lot of fabric. And I think I nailed it with the adjustments. The second pair of bike shorts fits very well in the rise. Um, the only problem is that they're a little bit big in the waist and the hips. So I went down a size and made the same adjustments to the rise and I'm going to make yet another muslin of that pattern and hopefully that will be the one that I can use to make myself some pairs of pants. I get a little bit tired of wearing jeans and it, it would be nice to have some stretch poplin or some bengaline or gabardine pants that I could wear. I also made myself a five out of four patterns Nancy Raglan out of a rayon sweater knit from the Walmart Remnant Rack. I made it to go with a pair of hot pink corduroy pants. You might remember that I ordered those. They are Macy's new house brand called On 34th. And I got a pair of hot pink wide whale corduroys. We have a young woman at our church who says that we all should just wear the clothes that we want to wear, whether they're on trend or not. So... I'm wearing hot pink corduroys to church because I want to. So I made a Nancy Raglan to go with those and I wore that outfit to church yesterday. The Nancy Raglan is one of the first patterns that I made when I started sewing for myself and just kind of, it was a lucky, a happy accident that that pattern fit me really well right out of the gate. And I've made Oh, probably half a dozen of those and I usually make the version with the cowl neck. I can have a lot of fun doing a contrast on the inside of the cowl neck and it just fits really well. I feel good in it. So that's definitely one of my tried and true patterns. 
I'll probably be making a few more of those here before long. I've got the Jennifer Lawrence uh, handmade juniper cardigan pattern that I would like to try. That's a cardigan pattern with saddle shoulders, which I haven't ever sewn before. I knit those when I was hand knitting, but I've never done them in a sewn cardigan. So I'm excited about trying that pattern too. At some point soon, I hope to get back to doing some quilting or making a few other small projects. Next week, I'm teaching a decorative cover stitch class here at the quilt store in town. This past Friday, I drove down to Missoula. It's about a two hour drive south of here. I drove down to Missoula to teach at a store there, which is the Bernina dealer. It's called A Clean Stitch. And I was teaching the Bernina Serger Mastery class there. That's a class that I teach up here in Kalispell every, I think we schedule it every quarter. And I offered to teach it at A Clean Stitch and they took me up on my offer, so I left here early Friday morning and drove down. The class started at 10. I got there about 9.30. I had five students registered, but Missoula actually got more snow than we did. So one of the students decided not to come because she didn't want to drive on the roads. Um, so I had four students in the class and we went through everything they needed to learn to use their sergers. I had one student with an L850, which is the non-computerized version of that line. And then I had a student with the L860, which is the same machine that I have, and two students with the L890. And the only difference between the L860 and the L890 is that the L890s have cover stitch capability. I'm scheduled to go back to that same store in two weeks to teach a Lark T class and we'll see if any students sign up for that one. I also signed up for a class just before Thanksgiving. I signed up for a private class at the Sewing and Design School in Tacoma, Washington. I'm going to be in Seattle that week for Thanksgiving. So I signed up for a two hour private class with one of the instructors and I asked if we could make a pants sloper in that class. I've got a bodice sloper that I use. Um, I haven't drafted anything yet from scratch, but I use the bodice sloper a lot when I'm looking at commercial patterns. And I'm hoping to have a pants sloper that will allow me to do the same thing. Although uh, working on these Linda pants has been really eye-opening for me. I knew that I had a longer rise than normal because most pants don't come up far enough on my body and when we were in low rise territory for so many years uh, I was miserable because I couldn't get pants to fit to save my life. So we'll see what this private class is like. I'm excited and looking forward to taking it. I thought that for today's episode, I would get back to talking a bit about vintage sewing machines. It's one of my little hobbies. Um, I like to tinker with vintage sewing machines. I like to sew on vintage sewing machines. I remember going to a local thrift store. This was probably, oh, at least 10 years ago by now. And I saw a FAF 130 for sale. And someone had cut the cord 
obviously to take it out of the cabinet. And I remember going home and saying to my husband, how hard is it to rewire a sewing machine? And in typical husband fashion, because he likes to do everything himself, he said, oh, it's not that difficult. I'll help you. I don't, I didn't buy that FAF 130, but a few months later, I think it was, I was looking on Craigslist and I saw a Necky sewing machine it was for sale here in Kalispell, and it looked like it was outside someone's storage container. So I contacted the seller, and I made arrangements to meet her at the storage container facility. It was a young woman, and she told me that the sewing machine had belonged to a great aunt, I believe, and the great aunt had been a professional seamstress. And the reason I bought this machine, it was $40, was because I was just enchanted with how, how petite it was. It's not as small as a featherweight, but it it's a bit smaller than a regular size sewing machine. I would say that it's probably on the order of a Singer 99, if you are familiar with that model. So I brought the machine home and I knew nothing about this brand other than it sounded Italian and I looked it up and yes indeed it was Italian. So I cleaned the machine and I oiled it and my husband helped me rewire it with a new motor on it. I learned how to solder. I learned all about heat shrink tubing. I learned where to get 18 gauge lamp cord at Home Depot and we got that machine running and it was all over. I was bitten by the bug. And from that point on, I was looking for vintage sewing machines everywhere. I have quite a collection. I haven't counted them. I don't use all of them. Some of them still need to be cleaned up and fixed up a little bit. I, for me, it was almost a mission to rescue them because I went to a few stores where vintage machines weren't considered valuable. The cabinets were considered valuable. So if it had a treadle base, people were taking the machines out and turning the treadle bases into sink pedestals or sink bases. Uh, there was one store here in town that took the machines out and painted the cabinets with milk paint. And I happened to ask them, out of curiosity what they were doing with the machines and they said oh we're just sending them to the dump and I was absolutely horrified so I brought home a lot of machines that I'm probably never going to use but I didn't want them going to the landfill that just seems like such a waste to me that first little necky that I bought the model is necky bf b as in boy f as in franklin and it's one of the earlier straight stitch models. That's all it does. It doesn't do zigzag. It only does straight stitch. I marvel that someone was a professional seamstress using only that machine. Um, the reason I put a new motor on it was because some of the older motors are not as powerful as newer motors that you can get. I think the one that I bought is a 1.1 amp universal motor. Um, typically those machines had one amp motors or half amp motors. 
the the more the more powerful the motor, the more punching power you get with it. And it's not that I'm ever going to sew leather with that machine, but I wanted to have a good strong motor on it. So what about the Necky Company? The Necky Company actually started in Italy in the late 1800s in Pavia, Italy. It was a factory that made in uh, cast iron spare parts for machinery. And the owner was Ambrogio Necchi. He inherited the foundry from his family and took it over at the end of 1880. In 1919, his son Vittorio returned from World War I and he joined the family business. And his wife asked him for a sewing machine. Rather than go out and buy one, he thought, well, we cast cast iron parts, so why can't the foundry make a sewing machine? And they set up the sewing machine plant. They had 40 workers, and in 1924, they produced the first model, which is the Necky BD, B as in boy, D as in Dave. I've never seen a BD in the wild, but I have seen pictures of them, and they were very similar to the Singer machines. They were rather ornate with ornate filigree carvings on the jewelry parts, the, the bright shiny parts, and bright decorative decals. By 1930, they were up to almost 20,000 machines a year, and they were exporting their machines to 30 different countries. Sometime in the early 1930s, they developed one called the Necky BU, B as in boy, U as in universal. The BU has zigzag capabilities and it is a workhorse of a machine and it is still very uh, valued and collected by people. Um, I have one. I don't sew on it very much because honestly, I like my straight stitchers, but they're fabulous machines. The Singer Manufacturing Corporation kept excellent records of their production runs, and so it's possible to look up a Singer serial number in their database and find out when the machine was made and how many machines were in that particular run. Not only are those records no longer extant for Necky because of a fire, but I don't think they were quite as... Uh, detailed or organized in keeping their records and trying to get information about the models and when they were produced is tricky at best. There are some listings that you can find on the internet and I'll put these in this, the show notes. And the best you can do is get a range of dates. So we know that the BD was made in 1924 the BU came out in the early 30s, I think 1932. Um, I have a the BF, and I think that that was made sometime in the late 40s. I also have a BCJ, which looks similar to my BF machine, but it's a little bit rounder. It's not quite as angular. They came out with the Mira, with the Nova, with the Supernova, 
with the Asperia, with the Ultra, with the Julia. I'm trying to think if I'm leaving anything out. Um, somebody will no doubt remind me because it seems like there's yet another one that I'm missing. I have a Necky BF and then I also have a Supernova BF which is a Supernova but it's a straight stitch machine. The Supernovas were the ones that came out in the 60s and Sophia Loren was one of their spokespeople. They have cams, they do fancy stitches, they are they have a great following. There are people who absolutely love and adore the Supernovas. Again, trying to pin down the models and the features of the models, it's, it's tricky. There is a Facebook group that is moderated by a woman named Sharon McCarthy Keithley. And if you are at all interested in Necky machines, that is the group to join. She is probably the most knowledgeable person on the planet about Necky history and Necky models and Necky machines. And she sometimes jokes that she thinks that on Fridays at the factory, they just started putting whatever parts they had on whatever machines were coming down the line. And that's why there's so much overlap and it's so confusing and so hard to pin down the different models. There is a YouTube video and I'll put the link for this in the show notes as well. It's all in Italian, but it's fascinating and it shows the process of making a supernova from start to finish at the factory in Pavia, Italy. The factory is no longer working. I have seen blueprints and designs for plans to turn it into an open air mall. Um, I'm not sure what's happening with that project, but Necky was bought out by Janome and actually uh, even though the Necky name is still used, the company is owned by Janome and Janome makes the machines now. So when we were in Italy in 2017, my daughter, my younger daughter was spending her fall semester in Florence and my mother and sister and I accompanied her to Italy just before the semester started and we went to Rome and Florence and while we were traveling I kept an eye out for Necky machines and I saw quite a few. Um, I saw them being used in stores, I saw them in homes. We had a tour guide and I talked to her about it because she has a Necky sewing machine and she said that the Italian people are very very proud of their Necky machines and they are a very popular machine in Italy. Besides making domestic machines, Necky also made industrial machines. We went to a purse design center and factory in Florence on one of our tours, and I peeked through the window. The, the factory wasn't operational at that time. It was outside of working hours. But I peeked in the window and saw quite a few Necky industrial sewing machines. They are not that hard to find in Italy and in Europe, but here in the United States, Necky industrial sewing machines are few and far between. The one model that seems to be fairly popular here and fairly easy to find is the Necky BV, B as in boy, V as in Victor. And I went searching for a Necky industrial model and one popped up 
in Salt Lake City. So my friend Tara, who gets into a lot of sewing trouble with me, uh, we like to travel together and go to sewing conferences and she travels back and forth to Salt Lake City quite a bit. So her daughter actually went and picked the sewing machine up from the cellar and kept it in her garage until Tara could get down there and Tara and her husband brought the machine back for me. It had come out of a department store in Salt Lake City where it had been used to sew draperies. And when I got it, it came in an industrial table with a clutch motor. I actually don't find clutch motors that difficult to use on industrial machines, but I have a clutch motor on my Juki Industrial Serger and it's fine. But for that machine, I wanted to put it into a treadle table. And I had picked up a few months before that a used Singer 78-1 industrial sewing machine from a woman who had it in her barn where I think she was using it on horse blankets, but she decided she didn't want it anymore. And so I went and picked it up, but I brought it home and I said to my husband, I don't need an industrial machine. Why do I need an industrial machine? All I wanted was the treadle table. And what ended up happening was I sold that Singer 78 one to a friend of mine who does auto upholstery. And for a while, we joked that we had joint custody of the machine because I had buyer's remorse after or seller's remorse after I sold it to him, but he wouldn't sell it back to me, but he was very generous. And anytime I needed to use it, he let me come over and pick it up and bring it back here and put it in the treadle table. So I took the irons from that table, which was in pretty bad shape, and I put them on another industrial table um, after we painted the irons and got them cleaned up. And I took the Necky Industrial BV and I dropped it into that treadle table. The nice thing about Neckies and Singers is that the bases tend to have the same dimensions. So I also have an Asperia, a Necky Asperia that sits in a Singer treadle base because the treadle bases are typically fairly interchangeable with Neckies and Singers. So the Necky BV sits here in my office. It is much larger than the Necky BF and I have it on an industrial treadle base and I used it for quite a number of years to make waxed canvas bags. It's an industrial machine but it's not a heavy duty industrial machine, so I wouldn't try to sew leather with it. It does fine with the waxed canvas. And when I did need to sew heavier items, that's when I went and borrowed my friend's 78-1 Singer. I still use both my Necky BF and my Necky BV. The Necky BF is my quilt piecing machine. It does a lovely job. The stitches are just perfect. Um, I have quilted so or pieced so many quilt tops on that machine, I've lost count. I also still use my Necky BV for lighter bag making projects, uh, things with, with waxed canvas, linings, things I don't want to necessarily do on my Juki 1541. So those are still two of my favorite machines, and I think that if my house were burning down, I would grab my Necky BF and try to get the Necky BV out of here because I love both of those machines.
You might also see sewing machines that say Nelco on them. Um, this is a controversy. I will try to explain it as clearly as I can. Um, apparently there was a gentleman named Leon Jolson who was a Polish Jewish survivor of the Nazi concentration camps during World War II. He and his family were Necky distributors in Poland prior to the war. After the war, Leon and his wife immigrated to New York City or New York where he became the U.S. Necky distributor. Um, unfortunately, he did a few things that may not have been really ethical and weren't part of his agreement with the Necky company. He began to distribute Elna machines as well as Neckys and called his business the Necky Elna Sewing Machine Company, but fell out with both manufacturers and formed the Nelco Corporation, obviously combining elements of the names Necky and Elna, and began importing and distributing sewing machines from Japanese manufacturers. Some of those machines had the Nelco name on them and some of them were badged for department stores. Um, I've also seen machines that say Miracle or Lincoln and they look a lot like Neckies, but they aren't. So if you see a Nelco machine, that is where that came from. Again, you know, whether it's right or wrong depends on your perspective and which side of the story you're on. So I, I'm just throwing that out there as part of the story. You might also see items in vintage stores or in thrift stores that say Necky Sewing Circle. And again, apparently this was something that at one point was authorized by Necky, but um, it was abused. And so there are things on them that say Necky Sewing Circle that may not have been uh, authorized by Necky, but they get confused as part of the Necky pro uh, line of products. And those include things like packs of needles, needle threaders, low shank buttonholers uh, that were made by Greist, thread catalog, sewing machine motors. Again, it's, it's kind of complicated. I do have one of the 70s era Necky sewing machines and they suffered from the same fate that a lot of other sewing machines of that vintage do. Uh, they have nylon gears and the gears crack and that renders the machines unusable. So those typically become parts machines for other machines. Necky also branched out and started making sergers. I've had Necky sergers show up in my Serger 101 classes. They're typically good solid little machines. Currently the Necky company makes everything from basic mechanical machines to computerized machines to embroidery machines to sergers. Um, they've got quite a lineup. I will probably be most enchanted by the vintage Necky machines. It's very hard for me to avoid picking them up when I see them. I still see them from time to time, but I have plenty of sewing machines. I don't need any more. Um, I don't sew on the ones that I have, so it's hard for me to justify picking up another one. But the vintage machines, the, they just 
they're like Italian race cars. The tolerances are really tight. When the machine is well oiled and ready to sew, it is so smooth. The stitch quality is absolutely perfect. The straight stitchers just create absolutely beautiful stitches. If you have a Necky sewing machine, a vintage Necky, or you want to learn more about them, I would highly recommend joining the Facebook group. You want to look for the Facebook group that's entitled 20th Century Necky Sewing Machines, and that's the one that's run by Sharon McCarthy Keithley. I have tremendous respect for her. She has done a great job ferreting out the information and she is a stickler for accurate information. So that is the place where you will get the best information about Necky sewing machines, about their history, um, how to clean them up, how to get them running again. Uh, Sharon has a collection of absolutely beautiful machines that she has put pictures up of and it's a lot of eye candy. And I'm sure if she listens to this podcast and I've said anything wrong or have any in incorrect information, she'll let me know and I can pass that along to you. Just a few more little tidbits about Necky. They also made the cabinets that the machines came in and original Necky cabinets are highly sought after. I don't think I've ever seen one here in the United States. And I also got a little bit of a giggle out of the manual for my Necky BV because there's a place in it where it talks about oiling the machine and there's an admonition not to use olive oil to oil the machine. So an Italian machine in a place where olive oil is pretty ubiquitous, I'm sure that they had to remind people that that wasn't a suitable oil for oiling a sewing machine. I also spotted a Necky sewing machine in the movie House of Gucci. If you watch, um, trying to remember, it's probably halfway to two thirds through the movie. It's the scene where Lady Gaga and Jared Leto are talking about his own uh, line of clothing. And they're in a little sewing room, well, a big sewing room. They're in a sewing room and there are a couple of sewing machines, including a couple of Neckies. So that's a bit about my favorite brand of vintage sewing machines. I love my Neckies. I love all of them. I'm hoping to do an interview this week, so maybe next week's show will be an interview with one of my friends. Um, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I appreciate that someone left a review on iTunes for the podcast. So if you're feeling so inclined and you enjoy the podcast, please share the link. And if you want to leave a review on iTunes, I would appreciate that as well. As always, you can find the show notes and more information on my website, which is www.janetzabo.com. You can also get to the website by typing in www.thestraightstitchpodcast.com. That'll take you to the same place. There's a page with show notes for each episode. And you can also get information about my other activities, my blog that I write in three to four times a week, and also the website for Big Sky Knitting Designs, which is what I did before I moved over to sewing. So I hope that you have a great week and that you get to go sew something.